Hi there, and a very warm welcome to Season 3, Episode 3 of People Soup. It's Ross McIntosh here. This week, there are a couple of firsts. It's our first episode recorded before a live studio audience, and it's also our first mashup with another podcast. My pal Maddie is a co-host of the Freaking the Fuck Out podcast, and we're going to talk about imposter syndrome, or phenomenon. We'll trace it back to the first mention we found in the research, and share some examples from our own experience. We then share some insights into why our minds produce these thoughts and some tips on how to change our relationship with imposter-like thoughts. I finish by asking Maddie for her piece of music, the one that would announce her arrival into a room, and you'll have to get to the very end to hear that. This episode was recorded at the Projects in Brighton on Friday the 12th of April. People Soup is a podcast that takes evidence-based psychology and behavioural science with the aim of making it accessible, fun and useful for people in the workplace and beyond. This is based upon a foundation of contextual behavioural science and other complementary psychological approaches. We aim to make our content interesting for humans, whether you're curious about psychology in the workplace, a psychologist, a leader, a therapist, a team member, anyone really who reflects on how they show up at work. It was psychologist Abraham Maslow who said, A first-rate soup is more creative than a second-rate painting. And that was the inspiration for this podcast. More than ever, the world of work is a heady mix of people, behaviour, events and challenges. When the blend is right, it can be first-rate. Behavioural science and psychology has a lot to offer in terms of recipes, ingredients, seasonings, spices and utensils. So welcome to People Soup. Before we go on, some reviews. On Twitter, Lucy Zernarova said, Is there such a thing as binging on a podcast? I loved listening to part one and part two. So entertaining and insightful. Thanks, Ross and Guy Meadows, for the top tips. Thanks, Lucy. I think there is absolutely such a thing, and thanks for binging. Anne from Unity Physiotherapy and Coaching over on Twitter said, Have been tweaking the sleep chapter of my pending book. Ross, you... The People Soup podcast and Dr. Guy Meadows are now mentioned in this chapter. The chapter now finishes with the quotes you used from Guy at the end of the Second Sleep podcast episode. Wow. Thanks, thanks, Anne, for, for including us, and it's great. I can't wait to for the book to land. Blathan on Twitter said, Love this episode of People Soup podcast and hoping to find the time for the next part soon. Some funny lessons for the financial world, and she directed that at Kav Patel. And finally, over on Facebook, Carolina Spinderella said, Part 2 of the episode on how to sleep well with Dr. Guy Meadows. Gutted to hear that sleeping devices aren't that accurate, but good news, I keep the same sleeping routine seven days a week. Sleep is what makes us better during the day. Ross, can we have some more of this, please? Well, you ask, I will try and fulfil your requests, so watch this space. Right, let's crack on. Get a brew on and listen to our first live recording. Okay, welcome. Welcome, everybody. Thank you very much for coming. And welcome to this completely phony and unofficial part of the Brighton Podcast Festival. We did get in touch with them, but they never wrote, they never called. So we're claiming it as a fringe event for the Brighton Podcast Festival. <laughs> so a big welcome to People Soup Podcast's first live recording, and I'm delighted to be joined by part of my pod and family, Maddie Scott, Hello. who is a host, a co-host of a podcast in her own right. The podcast in question is called Freaking the Fuck Out. I'll <laughs> let her tell you a bit more about that in a moment. So you're getting two for the price of one today, People Soup and Freaking the Fuck Out. And we are in the projects in Brighton, which is a beautiful space. So beautiful. I've got so much decor envy. Decor envy. Me too. Me too. I need the colour charts for this. I think it might be Pharaoh and Ball. I'm imagining. What are we going to talk about? We're going to talk about imposter syndrome today, or imposter phenomenon, it's also known as. But before we do, let's do some intros. So, me, I'm Ross McIntosh. I'm a organizational and coaching psychologist. I've got one of those careers with lots of different hats. So I work in central government at an agency of the treasury. I work in the NHS in the private sector. I'm also a researcher 
and lecturer at City University of London in organizational psychology. And I focus on building something called psychological flexibility in individuals and organizations. And my aim with the People Soup podcast is to make this type of behavioral science accessible, useful, and fun for people at work. Now, by my side, as you know, I have Maddie. <laughs> Who works in talent development, it I says do. here. Yeah. Tell me more, Maddie. Oh, I'll, I'll try. It's always a, a slightly grey area. Someone's like, I'm a transponster. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no, that's, a, that's a Friends reference. I do uh, most of my comedy through Friends references. Admirable. Um, yeah, I'm, I work in talent development. I have a background in like occupational psychology. But my podcasting history, as Ross said, is um, I co-host a podcast called... We say freaking the fuck out. If you Google it on iTunes or your preferred podcast provider, it's freaking the F out just because Apple is very sensitive and doesn't like swearing. (laughs) So we remove the offensive words. Um, And I co-host that with my pod wife, Kelsey Bennett, um, who sadly can't be here today, mainly because she's run out of annual leave. Um, She's just back from Brazil. So quite frankly, I can't feel sorry for her. Um, But in the podcast, so we basically, our tagline is um, we examine the inner workings of our anxious minds, covering everything from the minute to the very big and life-changing, which is the line that Kelsey always says, so that felt a bit strange saying it myself (laughs) there, but I hope it's good justice. Thank you. I think you nailed it. Um, Yeah, we're going about a year now, and so basically what we do is take a different topic every week uh, and discuss how our minds kind of like to catastrophize about it. So we've talked about things like Dating, relationships, uh, body image, friendships, fear of flying, um, not being cool enough. <laughs> <That's quite laughs> Surely not. not. I know. <laughs> Can you believe? Can you believe? Um, there's like basically no end for what we freak out about. So we thought you've got to start a podcast with something that you know yeah. you can talk a lot about. And we freak out the two of us pretty much about everything. So that's where we started that. Um, and this is actually our second live event. So we had an event a couple of weeks ago with Stand Up to Cancer. Um, and we had Deborah James from the You Me and the Big C podcast um, and Dr. Sam Godfrey, who is just a genius. Um, and that had us feeling slightly like imposters, which is a bit of foreshadowing was, for uh, hey, the episode. It was a big ass production. It was in Channel 4 in their own studio, because Kelsey happens to be a continuity announcer for Channel 4. How cool is that? Very cool. It was in this proper studio and everything. This is equal in status so. as a venue. I think so, absolutely. It's very jazzy. And we're in Brighton. Shout out to the project again. Yeah. yeah. On Freaking the Fuck Out, which you will, if you haven't listened to already, you will no doubt go away and listen to. Their latest episode is on sleep. They start off with this thing every, every week. It's called the Freak of the Week. Freak of the Week. I've never said that before. Oh, did it very well. Right. So, ah, Maddie. Yes. Do you have a Freak of the Week? Yeah. It's, it's, it's Just to explain to the listeners, it's something around that's happened over the last few days that's caused you to slightly freak out. Yeah, like freak out. It can be funny. It doesn't need to be. Sometimes it's quite dark. But usually it's just kind of, you know, something small. So my Freak of the Week, it's not that freaky, but it's something that I've just basically... Start, I've started to realise something keeps happening to me. And it's odd. People keep approaching me on train or tube platforms to ask me where the train is going. (laughs) And it keeps happening and I'm really weirded out by it. I would say since the new year, it happens to me on average once a week, sometimes more. I am not exaggerating. Literally, people will come up to me and say, where's this train going? (laughs) And then I look (laughs) at the announcement to see where the train is going and then tell them and then they say okay thank you and that's the exchange and I'm freaked out about it for a number of reasons (laughs) firstly I'm like what why have I been why has the general public decided that I am the like TFL like I don't understand like what about my face screams I know I know what's going on are you wearing anything like a peaked cap or anything with a red stripe I don't so, um, so I don't know why they've like all decided that I'm the person to go to, um, and then I get very stressed about like, oh, I don't know, I only know where it's going for me. Like, I don't know where it's going. All the stations, or you know, what if I get it wrong? And he's asking me if it's going to, 
you know, Sutton and, it, and it's not. And then I have to go and hide on the train and like avoid <laughs> the person. Um, and thirdly, I'm like, am I about to get mugged? Is this like a polite way of distracting me? And then they're going to like steal my possessions. So it keeps happening, Ross, and I, I don't know why. I think, I think it's your natural sense of authority and, <laughs> um, and sort of knowledgeableness that just radiates yeah, from you. Or, or it could be a, you know, like a train spot. Yeah, I'm not I sure maybe I'm dressing in kind of train spot chic, <laughs> and I didn't know. So that's my freak of the week. Mm. <laughs> Don't ask me where any trains or tubes are going. I have no sense of direction either. It's very ironic. <laughs> um, have you been freaking out about anything this week? Well, I've got a transport one and I've got a non-transport one. So let me give you the transport one. Sure. It is... I was in Newcastle this week, and I was with my colleague from university. One of you, at least one of you knows him, Dr. Paul Flaxman. We're both quite anxious fellows, and um, we were on the platform at Newcastle, and we both had reserved seats, but in different carriages. Imagine the conflict there. So we wanted to sit together on the way back, but we were worried, will it be busy? Will it have come from Edinburgh and be full of drunk Scottish people? Um, Will we be able to get a seat together? Or even if we have to go to our reserved seats, what if someone's sitting in the seat? And we were both on the platform quite anxious about this. Yeah, we both noticed that about the anxiety in our lives. And I'm going to give you my other one too, which is... I want to know. I want to know the end of the story. Did did the train come? The The train came. It looked quite busy. But we, we freestyled and we got two that said available and we oh, sat in that. But Paul busy. sends me in first because he says I'm big and I can muscle people out of the way. <laughs> throw people out of the seats. <laughs> Sorry, I want to he see thinks I'm going to throw a granny out of the seat to, um, <laughs> to go there to claim it for hours. <laughs> but the other one is um, relates to a couple of weeks ago, if that's allowed. Uh, absolutely. Okay. For sure. Um, I was at a conference. You could have lied, but sure. I like your I admire your honesty. Thank you, thanks. I was at a I was at a I was at a conference in Frankfurt and I was speaking about uh, well being and psychological well being to big groups of doctors and nurses and I was invited to this fancy ass reception in the evening mm-hmm. of the last night, I think, at the botanical gardens in Frankfurt. Oof. And I didn't know anyone there, so I went in. And there were like waiters, and the first waiter just walked past me with a tray of drinks, and I kind of went like that, and he just carried on. So I didn't get a drink. I was like, oh, crikey. And then I went in, and there was this woman on a trapeze from the top of this big greenhouse, and there's a man doing hula hoop. Like, not just hula hoop like me when I was 12, but hula hoop like proper art. And so I had immediately had anxiety about audience participation. Mm-hmm. I thought he might say, hey, you look like a guy <laughs> who you've used a hula hoop when he was 12. Um, he never leaves it. And then there were lots of like standy up tables. So I went to stand at a table with these people and there was no food left. There was like a little cake stand. They went, who's eating all the sandwiches? It was just like tumbleweed. No one even responded. So I was just like, I nearly just left. But then I just kept going and thought... I got a drink, and then I saw someone who was looking as terrified as me, and I spoke to them. Good. Excellent. But well it, was, it was quite a freak. That, that is that quite I, stressful. Those things make me nervous before I arrive. Acrobats are quite stressful. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This, this lass on a big, blooming, <laughs> what do you call that thing? Trapeze. Trapeze, yeah. I was worried she might fall as well. Yeah. There's um, <laughs> a lot going on. Do something. So, yeah, that's my freak of the week. Thank Excellent. you. Excellent. We've got, not to freak people out with audience participation, but does anyone have their own freak of the week? Just to set the scene, we're, as Ross said, we're in the lovely projects in Brighton. I've got a glass of red wine. Ross is on the beer. and um, I'm on a beer a... that I specially selected, I like to say. Um, we make a sponsorship. Oh. It's called Firebird. And it's called Work Ethic. That is very Which I thought was apt. particularly appropriate very for my apt. podcast. Very appropriate. That's Work Ethic. <laughs> <laughs> Send beer. <laughs> um, and we've got um, some lovely people who've joined us on their Friday evenings in Brighton. Um, any freaks of the week out there? Yeah. <laughs> 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 Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's fair. Yeah. It's like yeah. that box up. Yeah. yeah, we don't want to open any sort of Pandora's box. No, so I don't think we're equipped to, to handle what might emerge. <laughs> that's a bit mean. I'm like the worst person with um, uh, audience participation anyway. So I'm always like... On the spot. On the spot is the But worst. I've got a hula hoop in my bag. to... <laughs> 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 <laughs>
shall we get started Let's on get down the topic? to business, yeah. Get down to business. So we are going to be talking about imposter syndrome as our big freak of, uh, not freak of the week, our big freak out um, mm. or our topic is imposter syndrome, quite specifically at work, because um, I suppose that correlates with um, a lot of your podcasts. Correlates. We're trying to, we're trying to mix, mix the two podcasts, the yeah. anxiety, the work psychology. Um, so, I love a nerdy fact, um, and I didn't actually know the origins of imposter syndrome until I googled it. So I, you know, I've heard about it, um, you know, it's this kind of phony feeling that you get when you're talking about something, but... You may know this. The term imposter phenomenon was introduced in 1978 uh, in the article The Imposter Phenomenon in High Achieving Women. Of course, it was about women. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it was by two doctors, um, Pauline Clance and Suzanne Imes. Um, and basically, they investigated the prevalence of this internal experience of self-perceived intellectual phoniness um, by interviewing a sample of 150 high-achieving women. And um, all of the participants had been formally recognised for their professional excellence by colleagues um, and also academic achievements by their degrees that were earned or any top-ranking scores on like testing. Um, but despite this consistent evidence of external validation, these women lacked the internal acknowledgement of their accomplishments. Um, and the participants just explained how their success was a result of luck. Um, others were kind of like, oh, you know, we're just, you know, that test has overestimated um, my intelligence um, and my abilities. Um, so I thought that was quite interesting. That's the origin of the word imposter syndrome. And I think it's, you know, everyone uses it quite a lot these days. Um, but that is where it all started back in uh, 1978. Um, so in that study, the article said that based on their experience, imposter syndrome or imposter phenomenon was less prevalent in men. Objection. <laughs> yes. Well, somewhat ironically, I have actually taught workshops in the past about imposter syndrome. <laughs> oh, the irony. Um, and there are often men in those classes and they've been very upset about this idea. And they're like, no, we suffer from it too. Yeah. Um, and I, you know, I don't think this is a case of kind of, you know, what about your either? What about men? I think I think both gender, like all genders, um, you know, I think they can suffer from imposter syndrome. I think, I think so. it's I think personally, I do. And in coaching work with leaders of various seniority, they all have some degree of that. I'm going to be found out. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Nods around the room as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All imposters. A room full of imposters. <gasps> Is there? Yeah. Hi. Please. Yeah. Oh, hello. <laughs> um, this is Emmett talking. Statistically, is it between? Is it seventy percent of people experience this thing, which I think is quite a low statistic. I don't, I've I've not plucked that from the air. I've mm. seen it in uh, mm. data somewhere. Um, but a very wise man said to me um, <laughs> once, he um, that if if it's if it's a syndrome, um, mm -hmm. this statistic is as high as that how can how can that be a syndrome is it not normal mm, yeah experience Ooh. well it's not so it's not an official like it's disorder. Not no it's yeah. not in like the dsm or oh. anything but there are kind of elements of like anxiety depression stress mm. that kind of go into this imposter phenomenon or this imposter syndrome um but yeah i mean i think people don't think it's normal. I think like so many things, like people are like, I'm the only one who feels anxious about mm. this. But it's actually, you know. Condition. Yeah, mm. quite possibly. Well, not always. There are definite examples of people who do not suffer from imposter syndrome. Mm. <laughs> Can't think of that. <laughs> um, that's, but, a, that's a whole other episode, I think. People who don't suffer from it and who have yeah. perhaps, through their own lack of self-awareness or the people around them have, have like destroyed companies. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or countries. Or entire countries. Yeah. 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 Let's, let's come back. Let's, let's yeah. put that in the Google Docs yeah. for a future episode. <laughs> Ross is very impressed by my Google docking. Mm. <laughs> but there are super kind of, you know, famous, successful people um, who have purported to suffer from imposter syndrome. So Maya Angelou, Tom Hanks, Michelle Obama, Queen Michelle. Um, <laughs> apparently she's been asked um, 
how she felt to be seen as like a symbol of hope. Um, and she said that she still has a bit of imposter syndrome. It never goes away. The fact that you're actually listening to me. So even Michelle Obama is there. Everyone's hanging on to her every word. And she sat there like, why do these people care? <laughs> mm. I'm just Michelle. Um, so yeah, it's certainly, certainly common. And in fact, quite recently I came and went back and my husband said to me, oh, I've got something in common with Michelle Obama. And I was like, <laughs> I was running through a list in my head. I was like, glamorous, <laughs> quite stylish. Um, but actually it was um, imposter syndrome. You were, you were quite impressed that, mm-hmm. or shocked that, that someone of, of Michelle's reputation and standing and stature yeah, yeah, yeah. Had, had that. So... Mm. I think that's one of the key messages for me to the pea supers and to the what do you call your fans? Have you got a name for them? Oh, you want to think about I that? Need to, I need to, do need to yeah. think about. It. I don't want to rush to uh, <laughs> without Kelsey. I don't want to rush to a suggestion. So I'll just put you on the spot. I'll though. think about it. The okay. freakers. The freakers. Freak, we used to have freaks from the outside world. Uh, okay. Dialing in and saying what their freaks were. <laughs> dialing in. It's not a nineties television show. <laughs> we digress. We do digress. Let's um. Let's move from Michelle Obama to Ross McIntosh, shall we? <coughs> Seamlessly, yeah. <laughs> um, are you an imposter, Ross? Oh my God, yes, yes. Um, we're going to share with you a couple of examples from our experience, partly to, partly to see if it resonates with you, but also partly to try and normalise this a bit. So um, my first one is I was recently running a public course in London people paid to come and listen to me speak with a colleague from City University of London, Flaxy Babes. It was a two-dayer, so people had paid to come and listen to me bang on for two days with Paul. We were introduced by a, a clinical psychologist who said we were global experts in the fields of acceptance and commitment therapy in the workplace. Oh my God, what an introduction. My mind was just all over the shop after that. I was like, I was barely coherent. Because I was just kind of hooked away by this thought that I was being introduced as a global expert. And in the audience we had, probably over 50% of the audience were doctors. I'm not a doctor. And probably a fair few of them were professors. So I was really feeling that imposter syndrome. And it kind of made me lose my thread a bit. I was kind of like hooked away by that thought and being a bit bumbling, more bumbling than usual. And um, it really, really threw me. That's stressful. I hate being introduced <laughs> as a like as a thing because then I'm yeah. like now I need to live up to this thing, yeah. whatever that thing is. It's but, like someone putting you on a pedestal. It suddenly feels very fragile. Yeah, global expert. That's stressful. And we had people joining from around the globe, so you had to speak to a hundred people in the room and then do a side piece to camera. Oh, which to be honest, I quite like because <laughs> <laughs> we had about forty people joining on our live uh, webcast. But yeah, it really affected me for five, ten minutes. And then I just forgot about it. Well done for staying in the room. I might have done that. Yeah, I was tempted to leg it, but I thought that'd be even worse. (laughs) (laughs) So, Maddie, any. Share with me an example from your life. Oh, so many examples. So many examples. I think one of the first times I remember it, um, the first job I got after my master's, did a master's in occupational psychology. And the first role I got was such a bad fit for me. Like, it was not good. Um, I was kind of making a lot of PowerPoint presentations, which I would not necessarily say is my forte. I know it doesn't look good, but I don't know how to make it look good. (laughs) Um, So that was an imposter syndrome. That was kind of abject misery. But I I managed to kind of move the role I had to more of like a business psychologist role, um, which was a much better fit. But then what happened is it was in a consultancy and people started introducing me um, to clients as, oh, we're going to bring our ox psych. Now, if people know about the world of occupational psychology, I'm not an occupational psychologist. Like, that is a protected title. You need to do, like, mm. another three years of study or an, essentially another, a doctorate um, in order to call yourself an occupational psychologist. Um, so that, again, that's not really imposter syndrome. That's just lying. Um, but <laughs> even so, no matter what you called me, I was suddenly in this room as sort of the expert mm. in terms of, you know, you've got to make these psychometrics um, work. You know, you, you're the one that we're looking to for... Um, this sort of psychological expertise. People would say, say something clever about psychology. <laughs> <laughs> um, and just your mind goes blank when you, yeah. you're kind of introduced as this expert. 
So it took a while and I think really you had to kind of go back and go, okay, objectively, I think the stuff that I've done today has made this product or this meeting go better. And, you know, I, I do think this has had a positive impact. But when you're there in the moment, you're like, why are you a... Ask an adult. <laughs> I don't know the answer. I'm just hanging out. Um, and yeah, it's really stressful. Um, I think I actually really like the position of like a subject matter expert. I do quite yeah. enjoy that. I am a nerd at heart. So I think I quite like that position. But at the same time, on the flip side, it comes with like a massive dose of imposter syndrome as well. Like that even still happens now. Like if I'm, if I'm brought into a meeting... Um, with like senior people yeah. so say they're like oh you know we want to talk about you know talent hello I'm the expert on talent supposedly <laughs> and maybe like the CFO is in the room or you know someone high up in the company suddenly I get this feeling of like why am I being invited like suddenly I'm going to be in that room and they're going to realise that oh my god like why are people why did someone hire her like she doesn't know anything um she doesn't know what she's talking about she doesn't know um she hasn't got any good ideas or any good suggestions and they're gonna need to like contact her manager and say you know she's not very good and i'm trying to think but i don't think that's ever happened to me i'm sure i've said rubbish in meetings before but no one's ever gone you are categorically terrible But that's that's running. I'm laughing because we often have these conversations. I'm not being cruel, but um, it's interesting that, that those thoughts are running through your head, and they yeah. seem quite familiar when you talk about them. Oh yeah, they're always there. They're yeah, always there. even even like you know, yeah, like the sixth meeting you go in with like senior people. I still think that you have that fear. Mm. Even doesn't even necessarily need to be about seniority. It's just when you are the person who's meant to be the expert, then that's quite a stressful position to be in. I've got another one. Please. Do you want another one? I, I I've got one more. Um, so one of the organisations I work in at the moment is part of government. It's an agency of the Treasury. We've got a new chief executive officer. And this happens to me whenever anyone senior asks to speak to me. But she'll, she'll, she'll just walk past my desk and go, oh, Ross, can I have a quick word? And I'm like, oh, shit. And I, she's going to say, pack up your things, get your coat. Fuck off. <laughs> she's going to say, like, you need to leave now because you're rubbish. And that, every time, every time, and it happened with the CEO before her, it's just like, you know on those American films when you see people looking dazed outside a building with a box and a pot plant in it? That's the vision I have, that me, like, crying, box, pot plant on the streets. And it's never happened. I was going to say, it's... That's the thing. That it's never happened. But it kind of distracts me from the meeting when I when I go in there with her. It distracts me. Yeah. I'm just like waiting for her to go to sweep everything off the table and go right. You're out. <laughs> but normally she's generally very nice. <laughs> Working in HR as well, I'd like to say that generally that's not how firings happen. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Usually, well, hopefully, there's quite a, have, a drawn out process. Yeah, there's a. I think there's a legal thing. Yeah. You know, like, and I have, I have fired people in the past I have dismissed people in the mm. past and it is a proper process I'd, yeah I'd hopefully it's not that. a surprise firing <laughs> no unless, unless uh, you've going to an empty box <laughs> yeah. yeah no it's not like that at all but, but it's just interesting that my mind does this to me every time she she wants a word yeah does it ever happen with people who so we've both spoken about like senior people does yeah. it ever happen um like not with senior people or is that a specific thing that gets your imposter syndrome it's probably, going. It's probably more often senior people. Yeah. But I could be worried about being called out by anyone, Yeah. to be honest. Yeah. I've always got that sense of, um, I'm going to be discovered. Yeah. And not in a good, like, X-Factor way. <laughs> no one's going to hear me singing in the corridor and go, oh, he can hold a tune. It's kind of like, someone's going to then pass it on to someone else. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then they, when they see them talking to each other, they're talking at me. Mm. Yeah. I think one that gets me all the time as well is so often often it's where you're not feeling particularly comfortable so if you're in a kind of a new context or something you think okay this is I'm really feeling imposter syndrome but even in something like um delivering workshops or facilitating um so I do that a fair amount and I usually get good feedback okay two to my own horn but I'd, I'd say it's something I'm I'm two to why <laughs> I'm all right at it um and 
But like before each new one, before each workshop that I'm about to go and deliver, often I'm like, this is the time. This is it. This is when you're going to get found out. Like this is the one that's going to go terribly. Um, And either it's, you know, either I feel like I have to prepare loads or like cram right at the last minute to be like, oh God. Um, Because I just feel like maybe disaster is lurking around the corner. Even if it's a workshop I've run a few times before, I feel very confident about it. Those like 10 minutes before the workshop, I don't necessarily feel nervous, but I am just like, this is where it all goes wrong for me. Mm. Like, this is it. <laughs> okay, here I go. Mm. Um, and then the workshop, Touchwood, <laughs> probably be terrible now, but um, generally that workshop goes well. You know, when people are leaving the room, often there's positive feedback and people go, great, oh, that was great. Had a really good day, whatever. Um, feedback, if there's more kind of like a survey, generally positive. And that feels good at the time, but then when I come back to that 10 minutes before again, I just mm. think, well, why would anyone come up to me and say, well, that was a bit rubbish, wasn't it? Like, it's not in there. That's an awkward conversation. Like, no one's going to give that feedback. So it's just easier for people to say that was a really great day. Thank you. So they weren't being sincere. They were just being nice. Wow. So yeah. you'd even undermine yeah. stuff that's written down or verbalized. Yeah, you. yeah. Because like, yeah, I like, don't really mean that. Yeah, because they're just being nice, aren't they? It's awkward. Like, um, you know, if, yeah. if people leave a room when you've been together for like a day or two, if people weren't like, thanks very much, that's just rude. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you're giving me a whole new level of stuff to worry <laughs> you're about. Welcome. Thanks, thanks, Maddie. Yeah. And it's often accompanied by these thoughts of, I feel like a fake, I mustn't fail, I just got lucky. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Could now be a time to move us on to what might assist? Yeah. What can we do? Please, Ross, I'm looking to you for, for help. Yeah. As the global expert in acceptance oh, <laughs> commitment oh. therapy, what should one do to combat imposter syndrome? Why, I've gone now. <laughs> I've gone to a, a special place in my head now. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> Why do our minds do this? Why do our minds do this? This is a really important or interesting question. Our minds are designed to do this. When we were living in caves, when we were cave women and cavemen, we were cave dwellers, our minds had one function, to stop us getting killed, to keep us alive. So if I was in the cave with Maddie and I was heading out on my own, my mind would be going, don't go out on your own, you Egypt. You might get eaten by a lion behind that rock. <laughs> so I'd stay in the cave. And now we live in a very different environment. Hopefully there's no lions behind rocks in central Brighton. I don't know. It's a fairly crazy place. But, um, <laughs> it wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> uh, but, but it's not happening. But our minds are still producing the same reactions and risk assessments for us all the time. And, and sometimes we can treat these thoughts as 100% true and accurate and worthy of our full attention. And they can kind of hook us away and distract us from being the person we want to be. Because the people who skipped out of the cave and thought, oh, I'm just going to go and get a snack. Because <laughs> that's what cave dwellers do. Yeah, they, um, they haven't got eaten by the tiger. Yeah. So they yeah. didn't survive. So we genetically descended from, from these very cautious people. And the cautious people survived. The other thing they would do is, <laughs> is I'd compare myself to people in my cave. So me and Maddie in the cave, I'd be thinking, oh, Maddie's contribution is so much better than mine in this cave. <laughs> What if everyone else notices that? And they... That's very unlikely to be the case for us. I don't think I'd have been a very good hunter-gatherer. <laughs> Sorry. I on. think you're quite tenacious and persistent, so I think it could... But anyway, yeah, what if they said, oh, Maddie's contribution is much better than yours, we're going to throw you out because you're a bit rubbish. I'd be out and I'd get eaten by the lion. And now we don't live in caves. We've got whole different circles of people to compare ourselves with. We've got our friends... We've got our co-workers, we've got our families, and then we've got social media. I'll be comparing myself with Kim Kardashian. Of course. Obviously. Naturally. And looking out for these carefully curated lives on social media. Even yours, even mm. our own. We, we carefully curate what we put out there. You've been in Bruges this week. You seem uh-huh. to have mainly just drunk large beers, from what I could see, with yeah. your brother. But, yeah. but we don't put the sad times on on social media or times when we're feeling really pants. We just put those, hey, this is the image I want to project. So we're, <laughs> we're putting all this stuff out there and we want to compare ourselves with people and 
we can just sit there just scrolling through Instagram going, look at all these people with amazing lives, or look at me. And we're comparing ourselves. So that, that can kind of exacerbate this uh, imposter syndrome, I think. What can we do? What can we do? What would my top tips be for imposter syndrome? It's, it's partly to, to know what our minds are doing. Our minds have evolved from these cautious cave dwellers. But there's a metaphor I've used before on my podcast called Passengers on the Boss, which is about what our minds, it's about the moment we start moving towards something in our life that's important to us. I'm really excited about you describing this because I think I've tried and failed to explain this metaphor really? a few times. Really? Um, freaking the fuck out. And yeah? so I'm very excited that you're here to, oh, to explain it. No pressure Just to then. set you up. <laughs> <laughs> Just to set you up. She keeps doing this. What's that about? Thanks, Maddie. Um, yeah, so, on my bus, moving towards something that's important. I'm going to move towards my husband. He's important to me. Moving towards something that's important to me. The moment I start turn the engine on, start moving forward, there's lots of chatter starts up behind me. And they're my passengers, but we say they're, they're like my thoughts. And some of them are quite nice. Some of them are going, hey, Ross, we love being on your bus. We think you're a great driver. They're clever as well. They know what I'm thinking. We can see you thinking about turning right down this new avenue in your life. Um, we think go for it. Mirror signal maneuver and just turn right and go for it because we think you've got all the skills you need and we think it'll go really well and think you'll end up in a really great place. So there's some other passengers. Some others are a bit just more mundane, like just giving me a running commentary on my life, like, oh, we've just passed the church. Um, what are you going to have for your tea tonight? Um, yeah, they're just constant running commentary. Some of them are not so nice, though. Some of them are saying, Maddie, some of them are saying, Ross, oh, sorry, I took my hands off the wheel. Some of them are saying, Ross, don't really like being on your bus. These seats are really uncomfortable. And we can see you're thinking about turning right down this new avenue in your life. Well, really? Really? Because Be what we like, exactly. There might be lions. Look, there's one of my passengers. Can you hear? <laughs> <laughs> They're saying to me, um, don't turn right. Just keep going on that circular route around the city because that's what we really love. That's where we feel really safe and comfortable. And we know that's where you feel safe and comfortable too, if you're honest with yourself. So just, just keep going on that circular route and you'll all will be fine and familiar. And they're, they're trying to influence me as well. And then there's some, finally, there's some, there's some passengers that are just downright rude. And they're saying, Ross, I think you're a really shit driver. Have you even got a license for this vehicle? All the other drivers are better than you. And we can see you're thinking of turning right and moving down that avenue. Really? Because you know there'll be a series of unfortunate, event, unfortunate events ending in utter, utter catastrophe. So don't turn right. In fact, just pull up the bus and stop. <laughs> and, and we use that metaphor in our training to demonstrate what the mind's like, what the human mind's like. And we describe that as the, the human condition. That's what it's like. We don't always realize the influence that our mind is having on us, but it can stop us doing things that are important to us. It can stop us being the person we want to be. And in imposter syndrome terms, if that, if I've got the imposter syndrome person on my bus, then they're going to stop me doing stuff that's important or stop me being who I want to be. So how was that? That was good. Is I that all right? It. Yeah. I've been in um, workshops with Ross where <laughs> people come up and like shout things at him, basically. <laughs> He's been like driving the bus and then other people will be passengers and be saying things. Um, we're, we're trying to act it out. It's not just people generally just, just shouting at No, them. no, this yeah. is halfway through the workshop, so people have got the measure of him. So they're like, you're rubbish! <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's just really powerful because I, yeah. um, I think the thing is that even the nice thoughts, yeah. if you're trying to get in amongst your thoughts and kind mm. of sort them out... Mm. You, know, you can explain this much better than me, but you're yeah. almost like you've taken your eye off the road, right? Mm. So you're no longer looking at your husband who you're driving yeah. towards. You're like, guys, shut up. Yeah. <laughs> and suddenly it's you've, you've been wrapped up. Oh, you're stopping the bus and you're going to reason with them. You're going to struggle with them. You're going to have a fight with them on the dusty floor of the bus. And, you, and all of that time, your boss isn't moving. You're just struggling with all these thoughts. I love it. Love the metaphor. Cheers. Cheers, mate. So what, so what can we do? What can we do? <laughs> Tell us. Right. I've got a, <laughs> some, some top tips. We can, we can try getting our thoughts out there. 
on a bit of paper. And what I'll do on the show notes for this episode is I'll, I'll put a cartoon of the passengers on the bus with some thought bubbles coming off the passengers. And you can write, you can use that and you can write your own unhelpful thoughts in there. Because sometimes just putting them out there on a piece of paper and seeing them out there gives you a bit of distance between yourself and your thoughts. And that distance is really physically healthy for us. Physically healthy? Psychologically healthy is what I meant. Throw it in there. Thanks. So that distance can be really healthy for us and get us to to maybe look at them out there and think, oh, recognising them for what they are. It is actually just a thought. So that's one thing. Mm -hmm. Another thing that people sometimes quite appreciate is you could give your mind that's producing these thoughts a little nickname, a playful nickname. So I've got a mind, I come from a long line of catastrophizers. Hello, family. And um, we can escalate in a nanosecond an everyday event into an utter catastrophe. Oh, yeah. I could represent my country at this Absolutely, I'll give you a run for your money, my friend. Right, okay. I'll see you at the the catastrophize-offs. But yeah, we can give our mind a playful nickname. I give my mind the name the head of drama because of this ability to create this really dramatic situation from nothing. I also have another one that's sort of just come to me in the last few weeks. The reason why we give, let me say, the reason why we give them a playful nickname is because then we can say, when I notice my mind doing this to me, we can say, oh, there you are again, head of drama. Thanks for that. So we're not criticising our minds because our minds are doing exactly what they were designed to do. But we're saying, again, just trying to get a bit of space between us and those thoughts. So there you are again, head of drama. Mm-hmm. Or my new one, unveiled here for the first Ooh, time, is Impostatron. <laughs> the Impostatron <laughs> is here again. I think you have to do it in a sort of Avengers voice. So, you wear a cape. As I mentioned to Maddie before, when I was a child, just as a slight aside, when I was a child of about three or four, I used to insist on wearing a cape at all times. I'm not sure why, but um, it's, it's folklore in my family that I would wear this blue cape to just go to the shops. <laughs> that doesn't and, sound like someone with imposter syndrome. I think be more like the child with the cape. I think I need to own the cape mm, and mm-hmm. impostatron. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it's, you might like to think about a, a, a like playful nickname for your own mind just to help get a bit of distance and treat those thoughts a bit more playfully. I think the good thing about writing your thoughts down as well yeah. is, um, we've spoken a bit about this on, on our podcast, is just thinking about, like, would you say those things to your friend? Like, you probably have... You probably think you're... I think my friends are amazing. Like, you probably think the same. And if they're probably having the same negative thoughts as you are, so if mm. you heard them describing themselves as you're describing yourself, you'd be like, what? <laughs> you're a... What? How dare you think that about yourself? You're amazing. Mm. So I just think sometimes it's about kind of being as kind to yourself as you are to your friends. And I think actually writing out and seeing those things external Mm. is quite powerful. And affording the compassion that we might offer our friends to ourselves. Yeah, no, I was just going to say I had some coaching this week and Mm. um, I was asked what my friends and family think of me. And I struggled. Then when I started to say what I thought they followed me then it was quite positive stuff. Mm. Yeah. and the, the negative sort of you know fizzled away yeah. but if, she, if she'd have if she'd have asked me what I think about myself and I probably would have been like oh well I'm not so good at this I'm not so good at that mm. yeah. So, yeah. Mm. yeah it's interesting isn't it we will immediately be drawn to the negative yeah, yeah about ourselves particularly and I guess a couple more, a couple more tips. Please, I'm, um, I'm scribbling notes. Because <laughs> <laughs> when we have these thoughts like, um, I must not fail, or let's take I feel like a fake. I feel like a fake, let's take that. We can often get caught up in, is that true? Asking ourselves, is that true? And I imagine this kind of, in my head, I've got this courtroom going on, this kind of Judge Judy there, and I've got the case for and the case against. So I've got the case for, yes, I'm a fake. And they'll give loads of examples of how I'm a fake. And I've got the case against of like, no, I'm not a fake. I work hard and I try and keep up to, up to speed, <laughs> up to date with research and stuff. So I'm not a fake. But I'll just oscillate between the two. It's like Wimbledon. I'm just going between the two, like, duh, 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 duh. And all that time, I'm just tangled up with the, the courtroom drama. There's nothing happening. 
or I'm being a semi-coherent male and not really making much sense in the outside world because all my cognitive capacity is tied up with the courtroom. Mm. So that question, is it true? Isn't that helpful for me? Mm. One that I find so much more helpful, bizarrely <laughs> enough, is, is it helpful? So if I'm having that thought, uh, I feel like a fake, thinking, oh, I'm noticing I'm having that thought. Is that helpful to me? Mm-hmm. And that just kind of kind of pops a balloon for me. I'm still noticing I'm having that thought, but I'm going to say, is this helpful in what I'm trying to do, this podcast I'm trying to record, or this lecture I'm giving? It just helps me go, actually, let me connect with what I'm trying to do here and what's important for me. Yeah. So I find that really useful, that question, is it helpful? I really like that. I like the idea of like not getting swept up in like the courtroom drama, but being yeah. like, do I need to even watch this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Maybe just turn it down. <laughs> turn it down slightly. a little, yeah. yeah. But I think, um, as we were saying, like, almost like so many people mm. say that they have imposter syndrome. So maybe even a tiny bit of it is okay. It's not about kind of going, oh my God, I mm. feel like an imposter, therefore I must be rubbish. Yeah. It's about going, I feel like an imposter, maybe that's okay and I can still be good I can feel like an imposter and be good Mm. I love that and I think that that forms part of our key takeaway I can feel like an imposter and and still what did you say let me get those words right still be good still be good but most of all can we not take comfort in recognizing that to some degree all of us have imposter syndrome in our lives we're not alone and can we appreciate our shared experience of that and the human condition in which we find ourselves. Because I think sometimes people are sitting there thinking, oh, it's only me. Yeah. But hell, Michelle Obama, my <laughs> husband, you, me, everyone in this room, then there's quite a few. Yeah. I don't think these people have just been attracted because of the topic. I think, I think, it's, I think it's really prevalent. Yeah, I think so. I think so. It's a cool club to be in, guys. Yes. So, so take comfort, peace supers and... Freaky outers. Freaky how freak out. Freak outers. Take comfort that you're not alone in this. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a good takeaway. That doesn't feel like the sort of wise words I wanted to finish on, Maddie. Well, but, um, I think they're wise enough. I'm going to go with that. <laughs> but. Oh. I've introduced. So I think we've, I think we've, we've just kind of wound up our discussion of mm-hmm. imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. But. I've got this new thing on my podcast, which I've done with a couple of guests now, where I say, Maddie, hi. Hi. If over the next few weeks you could have a piece of music that plays every time you enter a room, mm-hmm. just for the next few weeks, so mm. no pressure, what would it be? Yeah, I mean, firstly, Ross, the idea of music playing when I walked into a room is extremely stress-inducing. Uh, yeah. People would notice that I walked into the room. I like to kind of slink in at the side, <laughs> assess the situation. Is this the room I want to be in? Is it yeah. not? If there's fanfare playing when I walk in. Imagine if it was a networking event. Oh, yeah. can you imagine? Oh. So what would it be, Maddie? Um, well, again, my mind went blank. Not a very good decision maker. Um, and this is not profound in any way, but I would love it to be anything by Craig David. <laughs> <laughs> That's popular with the audience, Craig David. <coughs> Any song? Can anyone? Can anyone in the audience oh, think killer. of a song? No filler. <laughs> can anyone think of a song by Craig? I can only think of that one. Drink on Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah. Bit of a saucy yeah. number. <laughs> nice. I wish I could sing a Craig David song. Ah, oh, I don't know if this is Craig David. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for it. What's your flavour? That is crazy. Tell me what's your flavour. <laughs> is that crazy? From his difficult second album. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. But I, I, I hear he's moved to LA. Uh, he's all over the place now. You're just, just not a fangirl, are you, man? international man of mystery. Yeah. You're just bluffing me. You're not a fangirl, <laughs> Craig David. Oh, no, I am. But, you know, got to keep it on the, on the down line. <laughs> yeah. thanks, thanks for playing. <laughs> So, we will just finish with a bit of a reminder about where you can find us. Yes, um, if you would like to listen to Freaking the F Out, um, then we are on many different uh, podcast platforms. Um, you can find us on social media, so on Instagram and Twitter at FTFOPod. So, Freaking the Fuck Out Pod. On Facebook, we're Freaking the F Out. And you can email us if you want to go old school, um, which is FTFOPod at gmail.com. Um, and if you are a pea super listening to this, come on over. Uh, you know, yes, come join us. Let's. Um, I was going to say crossbreed, but that doesn't sound <laughs> quite right. Um, um, Where? <laughs> I 
Come on over another great David. So. Uh, oh. Ooh, now you're testing me. Oh, oh, come on, Maddie, super fan. Is that is that another Craig David song? Come on over. I don't know. You have to give me a minute. I'll, uh, I'll yeah, just Google it. Google it. Where can uh, where can people find you? Oh, uh, people can find me on the old email at peoplesoup.pod at gmail.com. Very nice. On the Twitter mm-hmm. at PeopleSoupPod. On the Instagram at People.Soup. Nice. On the Facebook at PeopleSoupPod. I think that's everything, isn't that's it? That's it. And my shiny new website. Oh, yes. PeopleSoup.co. Oh, check it out. PeopleSoup.co. No UK. Just PeopleSoup.co. That's enough for me. It seems very edgy. I felt so. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. Is there a song? It's Christina Aguilera. Oh, close. (laughs) (laughs) Similar era. (laughs) Perfect. Um, Well, thank you, guys. Thanks for joining us. Thank you to uh, my first live audience. Thank you so much, everyone who came along. I really appreciate it. Thanks to Maddie. Oh, thank you for coming down to Brighton. She's she has another mission here. I'm off for a Hindu. She'll offer a Hindu. She's certainly going to dress up as a geek. I am. And possibly inflate a small penis. <laughs> you know, um, here's hoping. And thank you to the project yes, for hosting us in this most wonderful room. Rooms. Yes, multiple rooms. Beautifully decorated. And thanks to Aisha for, for looking after us so beautifully. Thank you. And thanks if you're listening. Much appreciated. Yeah, right. I think we've yeah. nailed that speech. Woo! Yeah, thank you. There you have it. Thanks very much to Maddie. It was such fun to edit this after a bit of a gap. What a joy to work alongside such a natural. Thanks also to all of those who attended at the projects and listened to the episode live. And that's it. So thank you for listening, Supers. It's great to have you as part of the Super community. If you like this episode or the podcast, could I invite you to share it with one other person? I'm really keen to spread the behavioural science and skills with more people. As ever, thanks to Andy Glenn for his spoon magic and to you for listening. Have a great week, peace supers, and bye for now. Nice. I wish I could sing a Craig David song. Ah, oh, I don't know if this is Craig David, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go for it. What's, what's your flavour? That is Craig. Tell me what's your flavour. <laughs> is that Craig from his difficult second album? <laughs> <laughs> but I, I, I feel it's mutual. Show me what's your favorite. Tell me what's your favorite. Tell me what's your favorite.